Welcome back to Our Walk in Christ. Uh, this is another daily walk, and I actually want to take some time to answer a question that came to me from one of my viewers. Um, and so if you have questions, if I get a lot of questions at a time, I'm going to do live Q&As. Um, but if I get slow trickle of questions, and this channel is still small right now, so I'm just getting small little, little trickles. But this question came in from Vamsey. It says, Hello, Tom. I'm in India, and many are saying the Bible was modified many times, and also the English Bible is also modified many times. How much truth is is uh, how much truth is in that? Uh, really, the Bible has been modified, and why the Catholic Bible is, is very big. And could you clarify this doubt? It would be very thankful. Peace. So, Vamsey, here's the basic answer, and, and and this is a long topic. Entire lectures are on this. The best individual resource to dig in deeper on this is uh, Josh McDowell's book on the evidence that demands a verdict, which he has a bibliography that uh, makes academic scholars uh, shun. Um, it's, it's an amazing book, and I'll go ahead and put a link to that down at the bottom. But here's your kind of basics. Um, first, uh, and there's so many of these. First, let's go ahead and address the Catholic and Protestant Bible. Um, so the difference between the Catholic and the Protestant Bible, and, and I'm a Protestant, is that um, the Catholic Bible has about, and I forget the exact number, it's somewhere around a dozen or so extra books in the Old Testament. And uh, those are called the apocryphal books. So you have um, you have your Maccabees books. You have Bell and the Dragon. There's a few extra Psalms. Um, I think an extra. Ooh, there's an extra couple chapters to one of the other books. I forget which one. Um, so there's a lot of these. And as you find and you start doing a lot of research back in the history, you find that a lot of your church fathers, um, Augustine, uh, even John Calvin, Luther, um, these are in the writings of Saint Patrick. They quote from a lot of these books. You find it in the early church fathers. You even find a couple of these books. Uh, they weren't actually in the Apocrypha, but it was other Apocryphal books of the time directly quoted in the book of Jude. Um, so there are these extra series of books, and there are the Old Testament Apocrypha, and there's the New Testament Apocrypha. The Catholic Bible contains the Old Testament Apocrypha, and the reason they are not included in the Protestant book is because what is currently included in the Protestant book um, a, none of those other books were ever quoted by Christ, even though they were written at the time. Um, B, is that the, what we have in the Protestant Bible was considered the canon by the Jewish scholars of that day. In other words, we have what we use in the Protestant church is what would be considered the complete canon from the Jewish Old Testament at that time. Now, it was used and carried on so much further, but sometimes what happens is sometimes you want to get as close to the source as you can, but sometimes the extra study helps us understand things, particularly archaeology helps us to uncover things that have since been lost. Now, this is the case with like Dead Sea Scrolls. That was such a big deal because it contained the entire Old Testament, except guess what? <laughs> the apocryphal books, I believe. I, I could be slightly wrong on that, but it did contain all of what we have as the Protestant New Testament. Um, and so why do we have that? Well, that, that split actually happened around the time the Catholic and the Protestant church split apart around the 16-1700s. The Catholic church did, uh, did one of their councils, I want to say it was the Council of Trent, but I can't remember exactly, where they basically affirmed that they were going to be holding the 
uh, Old Testament apocryphal books in the, the Roman Catholic and other uh, derivative Catholic churches. But the Protestants looked at that and said they weren't considered in the original, uh, in the original um, Jewish Old Testament and they were never quoted from Jesus or by Jesus. And so those books became excluded around the 1700s. If you go back into the church fathers prior to that, you will still find a lot of quotes and references from those. Am I okay with that? Yes. I acknowledge them as historical books. I acknowledge them, them particularly the Maccabees has a lot of history of the intertestamental period. Um, and so they're val valuable books. They just don't have the authority that scripture has. So that's why those ones aren't there. Um, so that's kind of the, the Catholic and Protestant stuff in a nutshell. Uh, the next part of the, the question, it was modified many times. Okay, now it, first let's address the English Bible, because there are way too many translations of the English Bible, and now I think people are doing it just for fun. Um, and for craziness, and in some cases to push their political agendas. In some cases, it's for inclusion. So, like I did, uh, I did some commentary on the um, um, uh, CEV. The, uh, it's the Common English Version, uh, Common English Bible. We call it the Comically Exciting Bible. It's crazy. But if you go back and look at who helped to translate that, there are legitimate cults in the translation committee. It's like uh, that's kind of scary. <laughs> and so, you know. We have too many English translations. Now, some people are what is called a King James only guys. And your King James only guys are a little sometimes out there. And they're like, this is the only authorized version. But the reality is the King James Bible is actually not a good translation. How do I know that? Because the translators have told us so. <laughs> There's a few reasons why. Uh, the first is it was a hasty translation. If they did not complete their deadline, they would have been killed by King James. That's right. Um, they had a deadline to, to translate it. The second is the translation of the King James, which was originally, by the way, called the 1611. What we have as the common King James Bible today is not the King James. It's been through several iterations. So there were some errors corrected. Some errors were completely ignored. Um, Translate, uh, translationally. Now, what makes the King James Bible not a very good translation, it's like, it's it's fine. If it's the Bible that speaks to you, it's fine. There's nothing in it that completely changes the meaning of anything major in Scripture. But the problem is they translated that from what is called the Latin Vulgate. So the Latin Vulgate is the edition of the Bible that was carried forth by the Roman Church. This is what caused Martin Luther so much hassle in the 1500s, is that only the priesthood knew how to read Latin, and the scriptures were only available as that Latin Vulgate Bible. And so what was happening is that the priests started popping a whole lot of jokes to be silly, going right over the congregation's heads, and, and really being completely unfaithful to the scripture, and that's what Martin Luther's problem was. Martin Luther didn't want to cause a reformation. Well, all he wanted to do is for the church to go back to its roots, and for them to teach, to start teaching what the Bible really said. That's really what it was, because the Catholic Church by that point in time, it didn't start this way, but by that point in time, the 1500s, the Catholic Church was extremely corrupt. And so we had a lot of problems in that. Now, so a lot of the Protestant Reformation clarified and fixed several of the issues in the Catholic Church. I still do not affirm them as a very good church to take, to take teaching from, because they add to the steps of salvation. Um, 
but in, in regards to all of that, that kind of caused some diversion. So the King James Bible we have was translated from the Latin Vulgate, which it's not that it was a bad translation, it's that the Latin is a dead language. And so when it was originally translated from the Greek and the Hebrew into Latin and carried forth, anytime you take a message and you translate it into a language and then you translate it again, parts of the original message get left behind. And so this is why you want to look at your more modern translations, because the modern translations are using some of the older manuscripts. Why is it significant to use the older manuscripts? Because the older the manuscript is that we have completed manuscripts for, the closer they are going to be from truth. And this is why you'll find things in the, uh, some people will bring up this error, and you can look up online for examples, you'll go to the NIV and then they'll look at some of the other translations and say, well, flip to so-and-so verse in the NIV. It's not there. Well, the reason it's not there is because the NIV, the original NIV, the 1975, uh, excuse me, 85, I think it was the 85 version, 1985 version used newer manuscripts. And there were things in the newer manuscripts that that seems to have been added, and they knew what was added. I'm sorry, I, I think I misspoke. They did use some older manuscripts uh, compared to the, the other, the, the Latin Vulgate and things, and so what happened is using the older manuscripts, which was a good thing to do, they literally left out the verses that were added later. So we have thousands of full copies of the New Testament books. This is one of the things that makes it such a valid book, because the second the, the book that comes behind the New Testament uh, books as far as what we have historical credibility of, the number two book is, um, is the, uh, the Iliad, which we don't have any surviving copies that are any newer than a thousand years after it was written, somewhere around there. But the Bible, we have complete copies from the exact time period it was from. What that means is that having so many faithful translations, so old, so close to how they were written, that's how one of those evidences that we know that they are good. The reason you don't want to use the King James and you want to go with a more modern translation like the English Standard Version uh, or the, um, the uh, my favorite version is the New American Standard Bible, NASB. I also uh, like the New Living Translation is pretty good. The reason you want to go with one of these modern translations in favor of the King James is because they are translated from those older manuscripts. But going back to the NIV, they also used the older manuscripts, but they left out all the verses that were added later. And so that's why there are gaps in the sequence of the verses in the NIV. What the newer by the uh, NASB and the ESV did to account that is they put those in brackets. And that will indicate that this is what has been carried through scripture through the generations, but it did not appear in the original. So if you're reading the ESV or the NASB and you see brackets, that means that that was not in the original text according to the oldest text that we have. So in final answer to, to that part of the question, there are a lot of different English translations. However, what we have now in our modern translations are extremely faithful to the original, whereas the King James Bible is not as faithful to the original because it never considered the original manuscripts. In fact, very few, if any, people on the original translation committee for the, for the King James Version actually knew any Greek or any Hebrew. They didn't know any of it. Um, 
and the, the newer translations are translated directly from the old language, which means we don't have translation to translation, we just have mere translation. And so that's kind of, that's kind of that. And so that's why you'll find a lot of different modifications. But what we have now are extremely faithful to the original texts because we're using the best copies of the original texts that we ever had. Uh, let's see. I think I covered all of those. So if there's any more questions on that, let me know. I'm going to go ahead and link that resource down below. Uh, you will probably be able to find some of the other online resources that speak very much of this. And so, you know, hopefully that helps and hopefully that addresses that, that serious thing. But that's a very brief history of the Bible in and of itself. Um, I didn't touch on the New Testament canon. I think I did that on some of the, uh, on one of the live streams I did a few weeks back. So you can look back for that. But any more honest questions, feel free to leave your honest questions down below. I'd be very glad to answer those, um, either on a daily walk here or maybe on a longer message. I like these outdoor areas. These are nice. Um, so thank you for watching. Um, again, if you're new to the channel and you're unaware, I have some books you can read. I have the book Testing and Temptations, which is about the sanctification uh, that we, uh, walk, uh, basically how to help us walk better in Christ. And then I have the book, The Art of Shallow Neighboring, which is a parody on the book called The Art of Neighboring, which uh, is, and it's not only that, but it's also a parody on some of the things that we find in first world Christianity. So there's some things to think about. So thank you for watching. I hope that you enjoy your daily walk in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com.